Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We are a nation of people who can understand the value of great leadership. We can go back to the early years of the founding of our country. We can read the discussions they had as they formed one of the greatest documents in history, our Constitution. And we can know that the leadership that was exhibited there was of the highest quality. Some have even thought that there was a providential guidance there from God Himself because nothing before it nor since has ever been created on the same plane. But more particularly, we are a church who understands the value of great leadership. Ever since I have been in this place, one of the themes that has come through in prayer after prayer, in comment after comment, is the value of the leadership that has gone on before. Those who have brought us to the place that we are. And without good leadership, Nothing survives well for very long. And we are a people who live in a country who are a part of this church who understand that we are in a time not unlike any other time when we still need leaders. We continue our discussion, 12 topics that our leaders have asked that we consider. Twelve vital topics that are the foundation and the focal point of where we are, who we are, what we're trying to do. And today we talk about and discuss Bible authority on male spiritual Leadership. Now, we could take an entire lesson and probably will and need to talk about the leadership of women. Because certainly we need to understand that women must lead in their ways as well. And there are plenty of ways that women lead and, and are valuable citizens of the kingdom of God. But today, we need to understand male spiritual Leadership. It is a question that we get from time to time from people who are not familiar with the way that we do things, particularly in worship. By far, the number one question that people want to understand is why we don't have a piano up here on the stage while we are singing. And that's an issue that we deal with. But another issue that we must answer that comes up from time to time is why there are no women who get up in this public arena to be involved in leading these times of worship. And why are there no women who are involved in teaching our Bible classes in a setting of adult men and women together? And that's a fair question. Because across the religious landscape, 
There have been and still are places where women have greater roles of these kinds of leadership areas. And it's becoming more and more the case as others pick up on it as well. And so the question is very good and right to ask. Are we behind the times? Have we let things go on and not failed or have failed to keep up? Are we stuck in a rut of traditional thinking that we need to change? There are people who have asked that. And I would say clearly the answer is no. We're not stuck in a rut that needs to change. We are comfortable in a course that God has set. Notice, if you will, three ideas concerning male spiritual leadership. First of all, I want us to understand that male spiritual leadership is based on creation, not culture. The argument of today is culture has changed. Women in culture have a greater acceptance into roles of leadership now, and therefore we need to come along with them. Well, that would be true if the things that God had said were based on the culture. But in fact, it's based on creation. Turn, if you will. Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 2, we will learn this valuable point that what God says about male spiritual leadership is based upon creation, not culture. Now, before I move into this, let me define male spiritual leadership. It is not the case in this lesson, nor in any other, that we're going to talk about these are the application of these things to the secular world. It is not my opinion that these should be taken outside of the place where God put them. We're not talking about can a woman be the CEO of a company. We're not talking about can a woman in the sight of God run for president. We're not talking about that. That's the secular world. We're talking about when it comes to things spiritual, who should take the lead in those things? Look in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. We're going to learn two things. One, Adam was created first. Starting in verse 18, Adam was created first. In fact, he was created and he existed for a little time. We're not told how long. And then God looked down from heaven and said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. I think it is interesting then that in verse 19, the Bible says, And out of the ground... The Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would name them, call them. And whatever Adam called them, each living creature, that was its name. He gave names to the cattle, birds of the air, the beasts of the field. Notice, 
But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Was God saying by this process, Adam, look, I want you to name all of the animals. And in doing so, he was making a point. And his point was, you're alone. You're alone. There is nothing else, no other being on this planet like you. It's just you and the animals that you have named. God said to Adam, you name the animals. And in doing so, he was well aware that there was nothing else there like him. And he knew that he needed something to help him. God said, I'll make a helper comparable to you. And he did. The text shows us that Adam was formed out of the ground. And Eve was formed out of Adam. Therefore, the Hebrew word Adam, man, Adamah, Man with a womb, woman. God made a helper for him and then brought her to him. And notice what the text says. And Adam called her woman. Adam named her too. And she became the one at his side, the helper comparable to him. And it was in this event that God married that first couple. You see, Adam was created first. We don't have anything here that tells us how long from the time God created Adam until he created Eve. We're not sure. But we know this. It was long enough that Adam had time to name all the animals. Adam had time to live in that garden for a little while and experience being alone and feeling that Adam was also the one through whom, this is the second point, that God gave the responsibility and therefore that sin came into the world. Back up, if you will, verses 15 through 17. You see, when God made this garden and put the man in the garden, who did he tell what the responsibilities in the garden were? He told Adam. In fact, Eve's not here yet. You see, chapter 1 is a view of creation looking like this down. God created everything. Chapter 2 is God telling us about creation in a linear way. I did this, then I did this, then I did this, and I did this with respect to Adam and Eve. He did that in chapter 1 on the days, but when it came to Adam and Eve, he just made them. Chapter 2, he tells us how and in what order. God made Adam and he said, now you have these responsibilities. You tend and you keep the garden. And everything in this garden you can eat, but don't you eat from the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Don't eat it. Not for you. Therefore, in that one setting, whatever how long the time was, in that one setting, God set it up this way. I made a man first. He named all the animals. He named the woman that I brought to him. And he had a responsibility that I gave him to tell her about the responsibilities in the garden. Because I made her from him. But I made him 
from the dirt that was in the garden. And Adam was first created. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 is a confusing verse to some people. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. What? Through one man sin entered the world. Oh, I thought it entered through Eve. And death through sin, thus death spread to all because all have sinned. I thought that sin came into the world through Eve. Isn't that the way it's pictured in Genesis 3? The text just read, the serpent came up to Eve and she's talking to him. And he said, hey, I think I heard God say something about don't eat that fruit. Yeah, that's what he said. And he said, if we do, we'll, we'll die. And he said, not true. God knows that the day you eat of it, you'll be wise like he is. You'll know good and evil. He's trying to keep something good from you. And she goes, you know, I hadn't thought about it like that. I hadn't thought about it. You're right. I think God is trying to keep something good from me. And so, because it was good to the eyes, and it was able to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate, and notice, gave to her husband who was with her. To whom had God given the command, you shall not eat this fruit? The one with her. He was supposed to tell her. Sin came into the world through one man. It may very well be that the first sin was the sin of a failure to be the spiritual protector that God commanded him to be. He had told her about it because she responded. Yeah, he said, don't eat it. But while she was being tempted, while he was there challenging that, he was standing right beside her. And he didn't lift a finger to help. He didn't step in as a protector. He didn't take the bullet. He let the devil eat her up. And she succumbed. And Adam failed as the spiritual leader and protector that God had designed him to be. Therefore, after they sinned, God was very clear. To the serpent, you're going to crawl on your belly, eat dust, and they're going to step on your head. A lot of this prefiguring Jesus. But there is one coming through the seed of woman, and he's going to bruise your head while you bruise his heel. Jesus is going to give you a death blow. And Adam, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. And Eve, your desire shall be to your husband. You see, God said, at creation, here is the order of things. This is the way it works. Adam, you are the spiritual leader. You are married to a woman who is a helper comparable to you. Equal in relationship to God. Totally equal. But in different ways, they relate to each other. And at creation, God said, this is the way it's going to be. Not culture. Oh, but two. Now, this created nature became the Jewish 
culture. Because of what God did in establishing this situation, we see it played out in the Jewish culture right on through. Notice Genesis 17, verses 9 to 14. God called out Abraham and set him up as the head patriarch, if you will, of his family, the Jewish race. And on that occasion, God said to Abraham, Now, here is the sign of the covenant. Every male child at eight days old, you will circumcise. The identity, the connection, the identity of the covenant lay in male circumcision. God could have figured out a way to identify the covenant in females had he chosen to do so. But in creation, he set up Adam as the male spiritual leader. And in the Jewish system, he set up boys to carry the mark of the identity of the covenant with God. Second, your outline says Genesis. Not true. I'm getting ahead of Carol Hall. It's Exodus 22. Now God said, every firstborn son is consecrated to me. Every firstborn son, not daughter. Is it because God likes sons better than daughters? Nope. It's because this is just the order of things from creation. From now on, God said to the Jews, firstborn sons are mine. Just like the firstborn of the cattle, firstborn of the fruits of the ground, I get the first. He got the first city when they came into the promised land, Jericho. They couldn't take anything from it. Weren't allowed to have anything because all the firsts belonged to God. So, God said, the males, firstborn are mine. Third, whenever God takes a census in Scripture, that is to figure out how many people there are, which is always fascinating to me. Didn't God know? Didn't he know how many people there were? He knows, according to Jesus, he knows the hairs on all of our heads. Surely he knows how many people there are. Well, obviously the census was not for him. The census was for the people. And for instance, in Numbers chapter 1 and verse 2, when he took the census and told them how to do it, he said, you number the people how? Through the sons. Not through the women. Not through the daughters. Is that because God doesn't care about women? No. It's because God set up at the very beginning male spiritual leadership and he carries it right on through, even seeing it in the census taking through the men. But fourth, in Exodus chapter 30 and in verse 30, God said to Moses, now you anoint Aaron and his sons 
and they will serve as priests before me. Aaron had daughters. A lot of priests had daughters. But all of the worship leaders in the Old Testament Jewish system were the men. Every time, all the time. Certain offerings that came into the tabernacle were a part of worship. Whereas other offerings were common. Some offerings were called most holy. Leviticus 6, Leviticus 10. Of those most holy offerings, all the offerings that came into the tabernacle served two purposes. They were for the people's offering to God and for the care of Aaron and his family or the priests and their families. They got their food. They weren't given land. They couldn't raise their own crops. They got their food, their sustenance from the people who brought it to the tabernacle. But notice... Of the food brought to the tabernacle called most holy, only the men could eat. The women could not eat it because it was a part of the worship. But then of the other sacrifices brought, they were allowed to eat. Leviticus 10 gives both of those situations. We find in the Old Testament Jewish system, both men and women who failed in their responsibilities. In 2 Samuel 22, after David had won a great victory, he came into town and he's dancing and parading and all of the people are excited. The, the Ark of the Covenant is coming home. And when he gets home, his wife, Michael, said, You sinned. You did something you should not do. You were wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And with God's blessing, she was cursed for stepping out of her place to reprimand a spiritual leader in that fashion. And she never had a child. That was her punishment. You know the story of Lot. And Lot, when he was approached at his house after taking in those two men who were actually angels of God, and the men of the city said, we want them. We want to have sexual relations with them. That's a homosexual community. And he said, no. But I tell you what, I'll let you have my two daughters, virgin daughters. Lot, you're a spiritual leader. What are you doing? Are you crazy? They failed. And it was such a curse at that time that the whole nation, those cities, killed out. And Lot suffered great tragedy because of his involvement in that city and because of his terrible actions. You see... The created nature that God set in place became the Jewish culture. Third, the created nature that God set in place at the beginning is still the Christian culture. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 8 through 15. 
We learn that God said, all right, here's the deal. I want men to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Everywhere, obviously meaning where there are men and women together. Otherwise, women could never pray. So it's obvious that he's talking about the men, he says. Pray everywhere where there are men and women gathered. Your job is male spiritual leadership. Women, what do you do? You don't be focused on these outside things, these external things like he's doing in leadership. You focus on the inside. Adorn yourselves with modesty so that it says, here's what's on the inside. This is what's in my heart. And he goes on to say that I do not permit a woman to teach or in any other way to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Can a woman teach a man? Yes. We do that all the time. When we sing together, we're teaching each other. When we're in Bible class and we're, or we're having Bible study and, and, and some man is leading a study and a woman makes a comment and it's a great comment and the guy goes, ah, I hadn't thought about that before. She taught him. But this text is not about women teaching men. It's about women stepping outside of their role and becoming male spiritual leader. But that's not your job. So God said, no, no. It's a man's job. Why? Not because of the culture of the time, which he could have said, because it was the culture of the time for women to be under the foot of man. It was Jesus who liberated women and gave them place and standing. But God said, it's this way because I created Adam first. And the woman deceived by a deceit was deceived into sin how did adam sin she sinned by deception he sinned by decision he knew it was wrong but he chose to sin to stay with her because he knew that god's going to kick her out and so the christian culture still stands Male spiritual leadership. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. Those who are chosen to serve in leadership capacities called elder or presbyter or bishop or shepherd or overseer and those who are called to serve as deacons, only men because they are the male spiritual leaders. It doesn't make them better. In fact, it gives them a greater sense of responsibility, a greater weight and burden to bear. You ought to be thankful. God said, you're not only going to be judged men by your own lives, but you're going to be judged how well you take care of those under your charge. God said, I want men to be male spiritual leaders. You lead my people to greater spiritual depth to greater spiritual heights, you take the lead. Here's what I think is fascinating. I've never known a church 
where the people have died out, leaving a bunch of men to exist by itself. But I've known of churches where people have failed to stick to their guard, failed to be the people they should be. They've all left the faith except a handful of spiritually minded women. It's not because men are better, better formed to be spiritual leaders because we've proven over time that often women are far better spiritually motivated and in spiritual depth. But God said, you do it, fellas. And I think implicitly he's saying to the women, you hold them responsible. Ladies, you make us stand up and take our positions. You encourage us to be the spiritual leaders God wants us to be. And men, it's time for leadership. There's never a time when we can do without it. Now is one of those times. This is the Bible's view on male spiritual leadership. This morning, we've been concentrating on things that are found in the Word of God because God said it. This is how He wants it. It's the same about salvation. God said, I want it this way. Anyone who is obedient to me believes in my son Jesus and is willing to accept that you are a sinner. If you will be baptized, I'll remove your sin. It's how God wants it. He could have chosen anything he wanted. But just like in this story, he also chose it this way. Today, if you're not a child of God, you can be immersed to have your sins forgiven. You can come back to the Lord if you've strayed. Today is a great time for all of us to decide to be better spiritual people in the sight of God. If we can help you today, will you come as we stand and sing? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.